Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good wherever you find yourself. And by that I mean whenever you find yourself. GPSers, welcome back. Because we know you're at home. Welcome back to another edition of the GPS Podcast. We are back for part two of a series that we started last week called Navigating a Pandemic. And what we're doing, if you didn't listen to last week's, is we're trying to offer some principles and some practices for navigating this really unusual season that we're in. And we had a top 10 list that we moved through with our class a couple of weeks ago on a Zoom call, and we got feedback wanting to hear more about each of these points that we had made. And so we decided to use this weekly podcast as a platform to expand upon those principles, which was last week, a list of four things that we gave. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that. And then this week, what we want to do is we want to offer the rest of that top 10 list, six practices, concrete things that Jessica and I have found helpful in this season. And Jessica, again, is joining me this week because she's awesome. And it was a lot of fun last week to get to share that time with her. And what we want to do this week is move through these six and talk a little bit about how we are trying to incorporate these into our life and maybe how you might consider incorporating them into your life. Because here's the thing that I want to start with before we move into these practices. One of the things that I've heard a lot in our conversations with different GPSers is how everyone feels like their rhythm of life has been thrown off in some way the normal has been interrupted. There is this sense of what do we do with this new rhythm of life? And I think it is a reminder to me of how critical it is that we have regular practices and regular rhythms to navigate our lives in general, but especially in a time like this where everything that seems like a normal rhythm has been thrown out of whack. And so hopefully these are some practices that can form some grooves to help us practically navigate this system. And by system, I mean this season. So Jessica, welcome back. Hi. Let's jump right into this list of six. So this is part two, practices for navigating a pandemic. Uh, Let's just go ahead and jump into it. Number one. Okay, if you have not listened to last week's, I'm just going to do a quick just preamble here. Of I have never been in a pandemic before, so we don't have we don't have a ton of research about what this is going to look like and what people need to do, should do, could do. But what we do have um, in the world of research is some major coping skills that can help people in stressful situations. And so that is what I'm going to share with you guys today. So these things are great in general, if you have a stressful job, stressful life, whatever, but we're going to use these to move through the season of the pandemic to really take care of ourselves the best we can. And again, this isn't about being a perfectionist and getting it all right, because there's no way to get all of this right and do all of this perfectly. Um, And that's not what I'm asking for. What I'm offering here is some options, some ways to look at life, um, to really try to take care of yourself as much as you can. So the first thing we're talking about is just moving your body. 
there's tons of research that says our body is the container for our stress. So it holds our stress in our bodies. And almost all research about the subject says best thing to do when you're stressed is moving your body. So it moves those emotions through and out of your body. So what that can look like for you may be going on a walk with walking your the dog or I've been pushing the stroller around the neighborhood um, and going on a walk with our family. You can do yoga. You can jump on a trampoline with your kids. You can swing in the swing set. You can go running. You can literally do any of the things that you like to do to move your body because it is so good for your nervous system and for your whole body just to do that as a coping skill. Yeah, it could look like exercise. It could look like moving around in the kitchen cooking. Uh, It could look like reorganizing your closets because what else are you going to do with all the time you have? But anything that can be movement of your body is so much better than just sitting still and staying stagnant because using that word of stagnancy, think about a pond that is not moving. There's no running water. Junk and gunk and all of these different things gather and become this really stagnant pond versus the idea of having a flow of water moving and traversing through a stream and rivers and there's movement and there is more activity there and that is a healthy, helpful way to keep your body moving. It's a helpful image to think about movement. Um, Does that mean that you never sit still? No. Does that mean that you never um, get to a place where you do just stop and pause? No. Again, it is just making sure that there is a rhythm and a regular practice that you're moving in some way. So I would see being still and movement as complementary, not as competitive. Yeah, and I just think, I mean, there's going to be plenty of time that I am watching movies or TV um, during this pandemic, but there's also going to be plenty of movement outside. And again, so it's not doing it perfectly. It's just knowing that moving your body is going to help you feel better in the long run. Cool. Uh, number one, move your body. Number two. Get outside. So I the thing that I have probably said at this point maybe 100 times is I'm so grateful like if I have to pick something to be grateful about, some of the days it's honestly just that this is not happening at the beginning of winter, mm. um, and that we are able to go on walks in our neighborhood, play outside. Um, again, for all of us who are in Middle Tennessee, we have a little bit more space than the families in New York City that we're also praying for. Um, that we can just use our space well um, and use this sunshine to just be outside. And enjoy that time. Yeah, there's something good for the chemicals in your body and the balance of your chemistry to at least have some exposure to the sun and having your feet on the grass, not in your shoes, but like your bare feet. It is good for you. It is 
a way that your body naturally and chemically can balance itself out. And so taking those opportunities on those warm days to get outside in some way, shape, or form is a good practice to help navigate stressful situations. Yeah, so we can get some more vitamin D, but also, I mean, Wilson did that whole series on creation of just sitting in creation, whether that's you sit in in a hammock or a chair, or if you don't have a backyard, opening a window, if you're able to do that, and just getting some fresh air into your space is really, really beneficial, especially if we are honestly staying inside our homes for the most part these days. Yeah. So being able to use that space and use the outside, the gifts of outside as well. Cool. Number one, move your body. Number two, get outside. Number three. So keeping connected. And I think at this point, people have figured out what is working for them and what is not working for them. Because um, we're about three weeks in at the McCoy house of being home. But, or four weeks once this is out. But, so we have like navigated Do we FaceTime the grandparents every day? Do we use Marco Polo to keep up with friends? Do we face, do we use Snapchat? I use Snapchat with my college girlfriends. So like, what are some ways I can see other people's faces? Um, But also just even sending texts. I've been sending my grandmother cards. What does this look like in this season to stay connected with your people? So, and that also looks like watching um, College Hills' streaming services or listening to Wilson on the radio or listening to this podcast, just having something, or Zooming with your life group, doing anything that keeps you connected to the people and the places um, that mean the most to you, especially like spiritual communities. All of that just really can help us stay connected, use our resources well. And honestly, it's it has its highs and its lows too because there is a part of it where you, your brain feels like this is normal because you're staying connected. But there's also a part of you that knows this isn't exactly what it was like in the beginning of March. So just doing it, keeping connected, trying your best. And also, it may look like some of us reaching out to those people we haven't talked to this month. So what does it look like to reach out to loved ones just to check in and make sure that they're doing okay? So for me, the key word here is life-giving connections. And so who are and where are those connections that bring me joy, fill me with life, help me to feel renewed and recreated. And so, for example, I have a group of ministers that we weekly will do a Zoom call simply to check in for about an hour. Familiar faces, people I went to school with, Guys I stay in touch with through the year, but we're making an intentional effort to every week just to stay connected. Uh, last week at the close of the podcast, I shared about one of our GPSers who was really grateful that we did the high and low exercise a few weeks ago on a Zoom call because she texted me later and said it was just nice to know that there were some other people who are at the same place that I am. And it was kind of this aha moment for me and for her in that simply by exchanging and communicating and having some time to process with other people, it actually shows you a lot more commonality and a lot more solidarity than if you stay disconnected 
and if you don't make any efforts to reach out. And so that practice, keeping connected, uh, is what we're calling the, the third really important practice. So moving your body, getting outside, keeping connected, and now number four. So limiting the news. I think at this point we're all kind of have figured out or are figuring out how much news is helpful and how much of it can be hurtful. And by that I mean is the figuring out the dance of being informed, knowing what's going on, but also not being completely overwhelmed. There was research done after 9-11 about keeping the news on all the time and just like how that um, in some ways felt really good in one, on one hand um, to know what was going on, but on the other hand, it was a lot of sadness and it was a lot of grief and it was a lot just to take in full time. Um, it's just a lot for our brains to hold and our hearts to hold. So limiting the news is going to be something that we probably will continue to do. Um, but yeah, just kind of keeping that in balance, especially if you have kids who understand what's going on at home. So it's not just too much for their little brains and hearts to carry too. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to somebody in our class and he said that he went to work that morning, but he told his wife that when he came home, they were going to turn off their phones and they were just going to watch a Steve Carell movie. They were going to just watch a comedy for a couple of hours and just step away from the news and the noise that had really created a lot of extra stress and anxiety in their orbit. And I thought that was a really good example of setting a boundary with the news that we consume. Because here's the deal. Every news article that is going to be on your phone, every headline is going to be quote-unquote breaking news. And so what ends up happening, if you're tuned into that all the time, is that you are on this like level 10 of anxiety, this level 10 of high emotion, this level 10 of intensity, and that will burn you out. That will wear you out. And it is a healthy practice to say we're going to put limits around how much of that we take in. And so stay informed, stay up to date, keep connected in some way to what's happening in the world, but also have some rhythms, some times, some places, and some spaces that are not impacted or infiltrated by things like the news, things that are at times life-taking. And so if keeping connection is about keeping life-giving connection, limiting the news is like stepping away and limiting the amount of life-taking things that are always potentially in our orbit. So, number one, move your body. Number two, get outside. Number three, keep connected. Number four, limit the news. And number five. So be creative. Now, this sounds basic and simple, but... The idea of anxiety or fear is that the fact that if you are running from a bear, your body is going to tell you how to stay safe, which is great, very important. But in this situation of a potentially months-long situation where we are watching the news and our body knows that we are in danger and that we are scared, that means we're basically running from a bear for months and our bodies are not set up to do that. So like the mental part of our nervous system. You might say it's unbearable. 
It is unbearable. Now, one thing that research has shown that being creative is something that you cannot do if you're running from a bear. If you sit down with a set of watercolors or a pen and paper to write a haiku, these are things that let your body know I am safe because I have the time and the space to slow down, do something creative, fun, simple even. Like I'm not talking about anything big. You don't have to write the next novel. But what I'm saying is finding some space, whether it's sitting out with your kids while you're outside with sidewalk chalk and drawing something, or if it is, for me, I bought a watercolor set at the beginning of this, which is something I'd always wanted to do. Um, And really just taking some time to do something creative and fun. And again, no pressure, but it allows your brain, again, research is saying, to let those stress responses and the stress response cycle end Um, And so that your body can take in new information and rest. So creativity could look like yard work and maybe doing some landscaping. I have a friend who recently decided to plant a garden. And so they spent an afternoon recently just tilling the soil and getting the ground ready. And so that's where they're going to create. His wife is going to do a wildflower garden, and so she got that ground ready so it could look like creativity there. It could look artistic in poetry or in writing or in creating music. It could look like games that you play with your kids. It could look like a hunt for bears around the neighborhood, which I know some people are doing. And by bears, I don't mean real bears, To go back to what my wife just said, I'm talking about stuffed bears. Um, Doing things that allow your kids and you, you and your spouse, you and your family members or friends to just exercise a different part of your brain because when we are creative, different parts of our brain get activated. And so if you could think about it like you're working out... um, Like your muscles, like you don't do arms every day. You don't do legs every day. Why? Because you will eventually injure those particular muscles if those are the only ones that you work out. So what do you do? You do arms one day, you take a rest day, you do legs the next day. And the same thing happens with our brain, that we can work certain parts of our brain at certain times, but then we need to let those parts rest to do other things. And so when we're creative, it just allows us to let other parts of our brain rest in order to let other parts of our brain flourish and be exercised. So, get out, move your body, get outside, keep connected, limit the news, be creative, and last but certainly not least, rest well. Whether that means trying to go to bed earlier or maybe even sleeping in a little bit later. And again, we have a small child in our house. I get that every night may not be the best sleep of your, you know, your night. Or I've also heard a lot of people are having a hard time falling asleep because they're feeling so anxious, um, or they're waking up and thinking of things. So whatever that looks like for you to rest well, maybe that means you are sitting outside with a book at some point, or maybe that looks like trying to go to bed earlier or doing some sleepy time yoga. I don't care, but figuring out a way to rest well, not only is it good for your nervous system, like your mind, but we really do need everyone's immune system to be the best that it can um, in the next few weeks. So resting well, allowing your body to repair itself while you sleep is going to be crucial, and it's always important. 
to get some good sleep. A few weeks back, as a part of our Genesis series, we did an interview with Van and Janet about Sabbath. And then a couple weeks later, I gave some more reflections on Sabbath. And somebody in our class reached out to me and, and wanted to ask a few questions about kind of, did I think of Sabbath as one particular day or did I think of Sabbath as a 24-hour period, and we had this really good conversation about what rest looks like. And when you read the Genesis account, you do see this regular rhythm of stopping, pausing, savoring, slowing. And while I don't think that needs to be a necessarily every seventh day practice because of Jesus' instruction to see Sabbath as a gift, not as this onerous burden, because when it becomes that, I think we miss the true intention. But to see rest as this broad description of anything that helps us to slow down, anything that helps us to change the rushed pace of our life, anything that can help our body just calm down a bit. Maybe that is a day that your family sets aside that says we are just going to rest today. Maybe it's an hour that you and your spouse set aside while the kids are taking a nap that you all take a nap. Maybe it is deciding to turn your alarm clocks off so that you can sleep in extra late one morning. Uh, Maybe it's lounging in your hammock in the backyard and just allowing yourself to be. One practice that's really helpful for me is simply the regular practice of taking deep breaths and allowing that to saturate and spread throughout my entire body in order to just feel my body slow down and rest. It can look like a lot of different things, but but the key piece is making sure that it's a regular rhythm. Because like I said at the start of the podcast, we are in this new landscape. We are in this new terrain. None of us have ever been through a pandemic before. And so all of the sense of normalcy has been jarred It has been shaken. It has been thrown off track. And so we are trying to figure out what practices and rhythms could look like in this stressful time that could be life-giving. So move your body, get outside, keep connected, limit the news, be creative, and rest well. Before we go, Jessica, do you have anything as a farewell for no, this week. again, just looking forward to when this is all over and we get together again. Thank you all so much for being here. I hope that you all have a wonderful and beautiful day. Yesterday was Easter, so happy Easter to you all. And in a couple of days will be my wife and I's anniversary. And so happy early anniversary to my sweet and lovely wife. Uh, Thank you again for joining me the last couple of weeks. And we hope to see you back here next week.